hide Nailed in oh, And then I talked over you. <laughs> what a good start. What a good start. I'm, I'm like that we've started with you being really pleased with yourself, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, that's a good way to start. Hi, Janina. Hi, Emma. <laughs> it's history of sexy time and you're in such a good mood. <laughs> I'm just delirious with exhaustion. Uh, close enough. What do we um, do on history of sexy, though? Is, we is... answer people's questions about history, Janina. Oh, what a good answer. I know. <laughs> Look how good I am at answering questions. That's lucky, since that's what, I know. That's all that we're here to do. And, I, you know, we're quite good at doing that as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah. done it yeah. several times before. Oh, I think, like, 18 times before now? Oof, that's a lot of times. It is a lot of times. A lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. And today we have, I think, possibly one of the most difficult ones we've had, actually. Like, the research for this one was... Probably the most challenging. <laughs> yeah, because I started researching and it was just like, oh, I don't even know where to start to find any kind of answer to this. Yeah, and there was no useful books which should give me the answers. Yeah. The question that we're answering today is from C Smother 87 and it's, what's the history of names? Which was a really hard question. It's a really hard question. <laughs> he did thankfully narrow it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he said, I've never had a good explanation for why later imperial Romans had more personal names than the strict patronymic forms of the Republic. And as an early modernist, I find it curious that modern names and locatives existed concurrently. Mm-hmm. And we will explain what all of those things are in a minute. Yes. I mean, the reason this question is difficult and the reason it's difficult to even start researching it is because names are part of language they're part of linguistics so this is really a linguistic history question and the thing is about language is there's there's never really a good explanation for why any of it (laughs) yeah no it (laughs) just does it just does language is completely organic and it can't be controlled and it's not made it's not it doesn't evolve consciously it evolves subconsciously we're all constantly using language in ways that we couldn't understand understand or explain why we do it like we can kind of explain what it means um and like this is this is a really exciting time for that because the internet has made it so easy to access loads of different dialects and it people are really inventive with language on the internet which you just have to look at tumblr for five seconds to see like the way we use punctuation is different on the internet and that's linguistic but no one really knows why they just know that they know that if you put a full stop on the end of a sentence on the internet you look (laughs) rude and angry and if you end a sentence that is not a question with a question mark they know (laughs) that that adds a different meaning to it but no one like it's very difficult to pin down why we started doing those things and why we all simultaneously understood them that is just how language works and names are a part of language so you've never had a good explanation for why because there is not one Uh, but we're gonna try and explain some of the history and how it, gonna, how it has changed yeah, if we can't say why. why. Yeah. And sometimes we cannot say why. Although having, like, what you've just said is in, the, in terms of the history of names has suddenly occurred to me as being really interesting that I wonder if anyone has ever studied the use of usernames on different platforms. Oh, yeah. Because so you get different styles of username on different social media platforms mm-hmm. and the way that people name themselves. Like, I use different names on different platforms mostly. Yeah. And... And it becomes a joke in and of itself. Like one of the things that happens on Tumblr sometimes is people post 
a second half of the sentence and then you have to look to see the first half is their username and like yeah we play with that sort of thing in a really interesting way as well and it's all just like if you're outside of that community it seems bizarre to you but if you are in it it's just natural and it just happened and that is language yeah, it makes some sense yeah right. one yeah, of the things that were... i thought found interesting while well doing a bit of research about this is that a lot of the things about names that are interesting are because names are really boring <laughs> they're very very repetitive like <laughs> they're so repetitive we have a million you know henry's and john's so we've got to distinguish somehow and that's where they get interesting it's not the name itself it's what we do to it to distinguish it from another name i like that a lot yeah in order to make it so that you can tell who the fuck you're talking about which is something that i'm <laughs> going to talk about with the raymonds because I, mean, I decided i decided we decided that if we tried to do any kind of global sense then it would be impossible and it would be like a 20 part series of <laughs> talking about the various different cultural approaches to names mm-hmm. so we've pretty much just narrowed it to western europe we're not doing northern europe we're not doing <laughs> southern europe we're not doing it's pretty much just like the western bit of the roman empire essentially like not even the entirety of continental europe because spain and portugal do their own weird thing i'm with- gonna dive off into other parts of europe sometimes because i've just researched a bunch of cool names Okay, that's from fine. all over. Um, just to just for fun, <laughs> I just narrowed it because once you start getting into Northern Europe, then you start getting into like a complex patronymic and matronymic things, mm-hmm. and like Southern Europe does the thing with the double names and where the mother's name and the father's name become surnames, and it's just too complicated to get involved in doing in trying to do this in a cross-cultural way in a one-hour podcast yeah. <laughs> basically but so just be very aware that we are well i certainly i'm going to be talking pretty much about italy france germany britain that's about it yeah and that area yeah um, because they have a kind of fairly shared history for the past two thousand years and it's very difficult to go back much further than that mm. because we don't know that many people's names we can go to like the etruscans and the greeks and people like that and the main thing that we learn from them is that the romans were really weird in how they named people which is fun and one of the reasons why you know it really validated me in being a roman historian because i was like i always knew they were weird and great <laughs> <laughs> and therefore better than everybody else because <laughs> For pretty much, like, for large swathes of early ancient history, people just had what's called bithemic two-part compound names mm-hmm. where you would take, like, an idea and squish it into a name. So you would be called, like, Herodotus, which means given by Hera, or Demosthenes, which means strength of the people, mm-hmm. or Godfredo, which means divine peace or something like that like your name would have an idea in it and you would have a single name and you can take like the two parts of that name and there's hundreds and hundreds of different words that you can use and there's infinite variations that you can put together and that's why we don't have like multitudes of herodotuses that we have to worry about so when i say herodotus we all know who we mean by herodotus See, there's this only was- ever 
one. This feels like a sensible way to do names, and I don't know why we stopped. <laughs> we're going to get there. Just, there are so many combinations for one word <laughs> that we're not going to repeat. It's going to mean something. We're all going to sound like we're Madonna because we've only got one name. Yeah. Um, sounds and, ideal know, to me. There is the one Aristophanes and one Versigintrix and you know whatever and that makes it very easy that well on the one hand you have like an infinite variation of what you want to call your kid which is quite great Mm -hmm. and it makes it very easy for historians which is a great because again no one ever worries are we talking about socrates one or socrates two socrates the whatever or socrates Mm -hmm. minor yeah there's a socrates he was the only one easy peasy yeah and probably there were like fads for names but it doesn't really bother us so it's fine I wonder if but books that... on Rome are like ancient Rome are longer than books on ancient Greece just because of the <laughs> amount of time you have to spend clarifying <laughs> who you're talking about. <laughs> it is, yes. And you having read my book will know that <laughs> yeah. you also have to include all of the bits where you just go, I'm so sorry that everybody has the same <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Those bastards of bastards. <laughs> Yeah, because what the Romans did instead was that they introduced originally a two-part name system. Basically, they introduced surnames. So they would give their kids, like, a personal name and then a surname. In Roman, this is called, like, the praenomen, like, the forename, and then the nomen, and that's great. And then the nomen would be like your family name, basically. So it's usually your dad's name or like the name of your family. So you have like the Claudii all have the nomen Claudius um, Mm -hmm. or Claudia for girls. Um, And the Julii all have the name Julius as their surname. And the Antonii all have Antonius and so on and so forth. Like Mm -hmm. there's lots of them. It's all very good. And so those all originated with one man's first name? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So originally people just had, like way back in the day, like way, way back in the day, people just had like Latin or Etruscan early names. Mm-hmm. So they would all be called Julius and Claudius and Octavius. What happened was what's called gens emerged. So like family clans, basically, mm-hmm. in about the 7th century BC. And as the clan became the center of power so like the family became the thing that was the most important and so people wanted to say this person is a member of this family mm-hmm. so they would say like what much later on in like the medieval period you would say i can now can't think of a good example but you would say i don't know henry of tudor Mm-hmm. Henry of the Tudor family or Richard of York of the Yorks. Yeah. They would say he this one is not just Gaius, he is Gaius of the Julii. Right. So he is Gaius Julius. Yeah. In the same way that I am Janina Matthewson, which means at some point in my history there was a Matthew, I guess. Exactly. And he was and then he had a son. <laughs> he had a son. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to su- suggest was potentially called Matthew. <laughs> That'll be awkward. Matthew Matthewson is not a great look. It's not a great look, but hey, like when you look at the... Because one of the reasons that I did this was because I started thinking about the Icelandic people who have like 1,000 names that they're allowed to choose from. And so everyone is called Magnus Magnusson. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because they're such a little Or Johan Johansson. Or Johan Johansson, exactly. Yeah. Or Jussa Sigurd's daughter. Mm-hmm. 
but they're all called, you know, the same five names. And that's basically what happened with the Raymonds. So there's not very many clans at the time. There's like 700 or so, like, big family names by the time you get to, like, the proper historical period that we all know of. Mm -hmm. But which is not a huge amount. And it means that there's a lot of people called Gaius Julius and Tiberius Claudius and Marcus Antonius. And so they then decided to try to make it a bit more varied by adding a third name. That I mean, once you get to that point, it feels necessary. <laughs> it does. The cognomen is where all the good ones come from. So this is then they basically have what's called the tria nomina. So you have the praenomen, which is your first name. And usually the one that if we are going to refer to them by something, we will go by that one, but not all the time. Then you have your nomen, which is your family name, which is fucking useless. It is. <laughs> if you're trying to identify a Roman, it's like, you're like, oh, great. Another Claudius, just what I always needed. <laughs> Do not need another Ahenobarbus in my life. Why are they all called the same? They're all called Junius Ahenobarbus. I don't, don't need this. And then you have the cognomen, which... In the lower families get quite interesting and in the higher families remain boring and annoying. So that's supposed to be like the fun bonus name, basically, Mm -hmm. like the one that says like this person's kind of kooky in some kind of way. Uh, So Caesar, for example, comes from hairy. (laughs) So somewhere back in that line of the Julii, there was a hairy man and he got called Julius Hairy. It's, it, yeah, that comes up a lot in names. Like, I definitely came across <laughs> a couple of the beardeds um, yeah. when I was looking around, and that, I really like that because it can't... Like, how beardy must you have to be? Like, Ludwig, <laughs> Ludwig the Bearded in, like, 11th century Germany. How beardy was he that they had to comment on it? it really, I imagine that, like, whoever Caesar's guy was was, like, out the baths and everyone was like... You should take your... Cl- oh, you that's not a jumper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, hair, you know, proper hairy. Mm-hmm. Actually, an old housemate of mine lit, went, once showed me a photo that he had taken while he was in Dubai. And they were at a water park in Dubai. Um, and it was a picture of, like, I don't know, his family at this water park. And then in the background there was a man. And I went, why is there a man wearing a jumper? At the water park in Dubai, he must be really hot. And we looked a bit closer and it was like, no, that is... Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> it looked like a... It genuinely looked like a black job. <laughs> but it was just the hairiest man that's ever lived. Wow. So, yeah, so I imagine that, you know, whoever the ancestor was uh, that got that was, I don't know, was a very, very, very hairy man. <laughs> and Cicero, which is not pronounced Cicero, it's pronounced Cicero. No, no, it isn't. You can't, no. You can't just do this to me. <laughs> This is a fun thing. This is completely unrelated, but we pronounce Latin all wrong. Like Caesar, I'm pronouncing wrong as well. It should be Kaiser because the Latin does not have soft C's. We have softened them. So it should be Kikaro and Kaiser. Well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> I mean, you can't do it with Caesar because you ha- like now. I mean, obviously at the time it could, they could pronounce however they want. But if you say Kaiser now, people are going to assume something very different. They are. Well, and of course that comes from Caesar. Yes. As does Tsar. Yeah. But, you know, um, I always thought it was just that the Germans twisted it and not that we did. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we did. But yeah, but Cicero comes from uh, chickpea. That is... 
fantastic. I <laughs> definitely need more of an explanation though. Why was why was he called a chickpea? No one's really sure. Like again, this is like his family thing, but he it's posited that possibly somebody in his family had a nose that was like had a little line in it like a chickpea but no that's pure guesswork <laughs> that's adorable lentilus was was a quite a common one as well so that the which mm-hmm. obviously comes from lentil yeah really big on their legumes yeah and there was a big family who kind of got eradicated during the late imperial period despite being the best whose cognomen was pulcher so there were a lot of um, clodius pulchers which means beautiful which means at some point they just had a real handsome member of the family (laughs) (laughs) yeah so they got basically if you're a high class Raymond, you got three names which showed basically that you were a member of a very important family and then if you were lucky you got a fun like bonus name but by the time we get to the historical period of like the late republic mm-hmm. those cognomen the fun names that are supposed to differentiate you from people have become part of the family name. Sure. So then everybody is called Cicero and then everyone is called Caesar. Mm-hmm. So you've got 97 Gaius Julius Caesars. Because <laughs> technically Gaius Julius Caesar is Julius Caesar and also Gaius Julius Caesar is Octavian. He <laughs> also gets, it becomes Augustus. And also Gaius Julius Caesar is Caligula. And you also... <laughs> like studying the Romans more than the Greeks. I do, yeah. Mm. In part because of this, because this is quite... <laughs> like, it's annoying, particularly when you get to the girls, because the girls don't even get a cognomen and they don't get called individual things. Sure. I mean, why would you call a woman an individual thing? <laughs> so you get quite a lot of Antonias in the Antonii family like like Mark Antony's two daughters were called Antonia and Antonia mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is good fun when you're trying to trace things yeah um, of course it is well done everyone involved and as you know from again my excellent book about Agrippina her mm-hmm. mother was called Agrippina she was called Agrippina and then her sisters-in-law were both called Domitia both called Domitia Lepita which means it's very, very difficult to establish who the fuck is doing what. <laughs> it's very confusing. This is going to happen. I found out recently that my nephew has exactly the same first and and second name as Peter Andre's son. So I imagine when they're, when they're older, <laughs> that would be very, very famous. When they're yeah. both very famous, they're both called Theodore James. Aww. So, you know, that's going to be confusing. The rest it might of be fun, but then presumably one of them is Theodore James Andre and the other one is Theodore James Mathewson. Not Mathewson because Not Mathewson. Um, we, there are no boys in the Mathewson family. <laughs> oh, we've got... Well, well, right. We've got one. We've got one Mathewson male. Um, you do? Yeah. Okay, but how's that my sisters this is another thing we'll get onto eventually but my sisters both have children and one of them the her children took her partner's now husband's name mm-hmm. but the other one all the children have taken her name and she's getting married next year and her uh. partner is taking our name and mm-hmm. um, so he's going to become dave southern because she was like did you push them out of your vagina <laughs> <laughs> That is very fucking fair. Basically, they are my babies. <laughs> and they will have my name. 
Whereas men in the Roman world were like, well, you pushed out of your vagina, so everybody already knows it's yours, and I would quite like it to be named after me. I hear that you're saying it's a girl. We'll just call it a girl version. <laughs> so Antonia, Claudia, Octavia, Julia, Vipsania, mm-hmm. they're Agrippina. all... Agrippina is the girl version of Agrippa. Yeah. Just put a n in there somewhere. Yeah. And you've got you've got a girl version. Yeah, which was really great for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and then everybody had the same fucking names. Mm-hmm. And particularly, everybody had the same, like, first name and family name. So you started to get, like, common combinations. Uh-huh. That's, like, sounded good to people. So... Or which was so related to the family. So, like, everybody in the Domitii was called Lucius Domitius or Marcus Domitius. And so eventually everyone is like, I swear to God, if I meet one more Lucius Domitius, I'm going to stab myself in the fucking face. Or Gaius Julius. Like, I can't... Or Tiberius Claudius. Like, I can't fucking stand another Tiberius Claudius. And so they started kind of dropping the first bit, basically. And Mm -hmm. so then... As we get towards like the third century-ish, the pranom and cognomen combos became so almost like cliched that in order to differentiate from the ones that had come before, people started just using the nomen, the surname, and mm-hmm. a cognomen that was made up. And so people started gave, giving their children slightly more interesting names, like... Laurentius, which is a, like a late name, um, it means laurel, like of oh. the laurel, mm-hmm. and Sidonius, like started to, like giving them names from places where they had come from. Sure, which also happened as a result. This is partly answers the question. Like the one, another one of the reasons that this happens is that the whole point of having the family name in there and then banging on more and more family names basically is that the gens is everything in the late republic and early empire and Mm -hmm. like that family and then and there's only a small number of families but after claudius opened up the senate to people from gaul and then later it got opened up to other people and people from around the empire started coming to rome and being part of the ruling parties and started being part of the elite it kind of became less important to be a part of one of those families and people started emphasizing different ways of being elite essentially so they started saying that they were from Sidon or that they had some kind of maternal ancestry that was important or that they sure. were from somewhere else that was cool. So basically um, everyone was just branding themselves with whatever they thought was going to impress people the most. Yeah. And, that and was, yeah. And it just stopped being the gens, like the ancient Latin gens. Mm-hmm. Like that stopped being the thing that imp- impressed people. <laughs> so it's basically fashion yeah essentially yeah yeah uh, and power because yeah. a lot of we're going to see a lot of the way that names change is to do with how people emphasize their power in their name yeah so that's basically what happens people start it becomes less cool and people start wanting to be a just don't can't fucking bear another julius uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is fair yeah and then the Germans come and change everything even more, which is fun because they have their own completely separate linguistic and social culture, which bears no relation to Roman culture. And they 
have been using the much more common and traditional like single two-part name basically Mm -hmm. so then you start getting people with fun names like Rissima and Clovis and Dagobert does that mean it's all just very refreshing it's just a refreshing change (laughs) at this point it is a refreshing change at this point (laughs) when you're just like thank god Uh, (laughs) At least, like, once again, there's only one Rissima, there's only one Attila, there's only one Clovis. I know where I am <laughs> Yeah. when you say this. There's only one Sidonius, it's fine. <laughs> and of course, at the same time, you also get Christianity, which changes names because people start wanting to give their children slightly more Christian names. So you start getting sure. like people named after saints and... Lots of Johns and people. Marks and... Yes, and Pauls. all of those are Greek and Semitic names, obviously, because all of their mm-hmm. disciples are Greek. Paul mm-hmm. is Jewish. And so, because John comes from Johannes, Peter comes from Petros, Andrew is... Paul comes from Saul, Andrew is Andreas. Jesus derives from Joshua. But then they also get, like, invent names, like Benedictus and things like that. And that also infiltrates Roman culture and you start getting completely different names amongst the elite that you would never have seen a hundred years before, which is good fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So basically we started to get a little bit of globalization and it mixed shit up. Basically. I mean, the Romans were always global. Well, from about 200 BC when they started conquering the shit out of everyone. Mm-hmm. But they were kind of more a global, a one, a one way global force it seems name name wise at least they weren't kind of being influenced a huge amount by the people they well, came in contact yeah. with well the changes i mean the period that which is the most famous period of history is like only 200 years really mm-hmm. like the point from i mean even there's 150 maybe like if you go from caesar and pompey mm-hmm. in like the 60s bc through to say Nero which is when people like stop knowing the names of emperors that's a hundred years almost 110 years like it's nothing really in the like 1000 years of Roman history and the empire continues for a further 400 years and so and it's at that point it's under Claudius that they start letting in other people into the elite basically Mm mm-hmm yeah so they are letting people in it's just that the period that is the most famous that most people talk about that has the most famous names is just a very narrow period and you're primarily talking about like two families sure (laughs) which makes it sound like everybody had the same two names it's just that they all have the same family names because they were yeah and it would be a lot more helpful if like now in my family there's only one katie if i say katie everybody knows who i'm talking about talking about Mm -hmm. my sister if I'm talking about Linda, I'm talking about my cousin. There's only the one Linda. It's easy. Yeah. But it would be perfectly possible for me to be talking about a Julia and have that be any one of my sisters. I mean, it does still happen a bit. I mean, there are a couple of family names in my family. There are a lot of Jameses and a lot of Olivers. There's, like, I think my grandfather's family, there was an Oliver and an Olive. Oh. Yeah. You do see Americans are very into family names, I find. Like yeah. American, like you get like juniors a lot in America. Yes, that is true. Um, I think which is something you don't really get in certainly the UK. Yeah, I don't think in New Zealand you tend to get people being named after their parents so much, but you just get a repeated strain. Um, used like sometimes uses a middle name just to keep it connected. 
Yes, my f- mother's family has a family middle name, which is May. Yeah. And the second daughter gets it. Yeah. We've got uh, uh, Joy floating around. So my sister's middle name is Joy and my niece is, is also. Yeah. So so like it does definitely still happen. But, yeah. but middle names are a fairly recent invention and are also dying, which is interesting. Are they? Yeah, they're becoming much less common when I was researching this. Like, people are either giving lots of middle names Mm -hmm. or none. And it is considerably, it's getting more and more common now than it was like a century ago for people to not have middle names. And yeah, which is quite interesting. I think like they're just not useful anymore for whatever reason. Interesting. Yeah, and you know, and I think about it, and I like don't think one of my sisters didn't give either of her children middle names. My little, my half sister doesn't have a middle name. Mm-hmm. Like the youngest people in my family don't have middle names, and I think that that is reasonably common now. Of course, they've all got either barking mad first names. That <laughs> we'll, we will get to this, like um, that they have just conjured out of the ether as a mm-hmm. collection of letters that make no sense mm-hmm. or they are all called jack yeah so those, are, those are the two the, options yeah. so the got. two options for children are all girls are called amelia all boys are called jack yeah or they're called abasida sure or one of the names my sister came up with thankfully she's never going to listen to this but my mum does <laughs> but she she has four boys and once she finally had one girl uh-huh. One of the names that she came up with for her daughter was Terra, which she was planning on spelling T-E-R-A-H. Okay. It kind of sounds like it would it like an ancient maybe Hebrew name. It does. Yeah. It's not. It's just made up. <laughs> it's imaginary. Yeah. And we were like, you can't call your child Terra. And B, it looks like you've misspelled Tehran. Like it both looks yes. and sounds deranged so she didn't she called her erica instead which is much nicer but before that she was she's really obsessed with her children having unusual names so before that her third son is called tyler uh, and literally the week before he was born when we had been calling him tyler for like six months someone in her oldest son's class he started school and her oldest son had a tyler in his class and she was like this is a disaster this is the worst <laughs> thing that has ever happened so she changed the spelling of tyler in order to make it unique so this poor tyler's name is not spelt like you might think it was spelt it's spelt with an a at the end so it's t-y-l-a-r sure tyler okay tyler. <laughs> and we were all like all right <laughs> So this is what happens. They're either called Jack or they're called Tyler. Yeah. And God bless him, he's an adorable child, but his it is, the spelling it, of his name is Barking. It is, for some reason, I think a bit harder to be playful and unique with boys' names than it is with girls, and I don't know why that's happened. Like, I think I think that just the line between, oh, that's an interesting name, and that name is Buckwild, is, like, <laughs> narrower. <laughs> With boys' names than yeah. it is with girls. I would never quite put my finger on why. I guess sexism is the reason, probably. Like Probably, It yeah. was maybe seen as more important for, for for boys to be given names that would sound professional when they were adults, whereas girls you can be fanciful with and it doesn't matter because they're just going to get married. But 
I'm like I'm guessing it's something like that, but I don't really know why. Yeah, or maybe girls are supposed to be decorative and boys aren't. Yeah, I guess so. Like boys girls are supposed can to be... have a decorative approach to them. Yeah. Anyway, we've kind of skipped like we have yeah a century and a half. <laughs> Which is a fair amount of time. And to, uh, the reason that we skipped it is, to be honest, this was the hardest part. <laughs> like, this... N- the early medieval bit, like, I could do research and I was finding, like, loads of stuff about Roman and late Roman names and late Latin names and saints and things. And then it would go, and in the 11th century, and you'd be like, there were some centuries in between. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what was happening in the four centuries in between? But no one was really willing to tell me. So sure. everyone I'm going to assume is called like mud person. <laughs> I shouldn't say this because this is literally the period of my PhD, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Everyone was called Charles. Sure. Charles the Beige, apparently. Yeah. Charles Beige, Charles the Fat, Charles the Bald, Charles the Great. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was called Charles or whatever the girl version of Charles is. I'm unclear. But there's a real skip. Caroline? <laughs> Caroline? Yeah. <laughs> There's a real weird skip when you're, you're looking at Western European names where they go, and in the 11th century, surnames reemerged. So I think, like what I've just said, there's a lot of people with epithets, and I suspect mm-hmm. that epithets were a big thing. We've got, I've got some fun ones if you want some go fun epithets. I, this Please. is obviously, I'm going to start with the best of all time, my favourite name in history, Ethelred the Unready. <laughs> See, I only discovered from Rex Factor, like last year, that Ethelred the Unready does not mean what you think it means. It does, it does not, not mean that he was unready. No. So Ethelred the Unready, for those that don't know, was the 10th King of England, actual 10th King of England. Uh, his <laughs> name is uh, Old English, which means that it's uh, Germanic roots. It's from that yep. sort of period of history. Ethelred is just quite simple. It's It comes from the root Ethel meaning noble or excellent, and red meaning advice or judgment. So basically Ethelred means Good judgment or well-advised is how it's normally mentioned. This is excellent because I know what's coming next. You do know what's coming next. <laughs> unready in this instance is not unready as we would use it today. It doesn't mean not prepared. It is. It comes from another old English word, word unread, which means poorly advised. <laughs> it's so it's literally the, the bad advice. They just... <laughs> Punned his name. They just did a pun <laughs> on the tenth king of England of actual England. It's just and his his name is a pun. Um, his name is good advice, bad advice. Yes, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's my favorite. My favorite thing. Um, but yes. there's lots of there's lots of fun with English kings. Like before, English kings got boring after like the fourth Henry. But before we get to that point, there's loads of just people being really bitchy about the <laughs> kings like Henry II was called Henry Kurtmantle because he wore a short cloak which no one did until he did it he brought it in he brought it into fashion and, and everyone mocked him and that's just who he is he's Henry Kurtmantle yeah well I mean the Franks and the like descendants of Charles the Main are all called Charles the Bald Charles the Fat Charles yeah. that guy uh, yeah, like, I mean, people like, weren't very polite to their. There's Edward Longshanks, who's just like, yeah, the tall king, t- the tall. He has long Edward. legs, yeah, yeah. A one I really like um, is Henry Kurtmantle's son, 
John Leckland. Yeah, it doesn't have any land. <laughs> doesn't have any land. And I couldn't find like a huge amount of solid information, but it seems to be that his father, he was the youngest son of Henry II and apparently also his father's favourite son. So Henry wanted to give him a whole lot of land when he got married because he was his favourite son. But all of his other sons rebelled against it. So I guess he's just like, oh, I wanted to give you land, but I didn't, so now you don't have land. Yeah, basically. That's a great period of history. It's a great great name to call your son. Um, But he did end up being the Earl of Gloucester and Lord of Ireland and then later the king, so he got quite a lot of land. He was the shit king, though, wasn't he? He was the rubbishest of kings. Yeah. Like, king, no one is like, oh, King John. That's, he's good. Everyone's like, King John, the shit one. That <laughs> yeah. got bullied into the Magna Carta. Yeah. Yeah, but he was anyway. so shit, all of his parents made him sign the Magna Carta, and that's why we have it. Twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really strongly recommend the Rex Factor for people <laughs> who don't know this good for because I knew fuck all about it until recently. <laughs> and now I know loads about it, and I could talk about Henry II for up to 45 minutes which I'm not going to (laughs) do but yeah it's interesting though that a lot of these epithets like for noble people are not they're not not unflattering necessarily but they're just they're one very descriptive Mm -hmm. and two like not particularly like flattering necessarily it's not like you know John the Handsome no it's like John doesn't have any land (laughs) (laughs) But those are less common. Toponymic names are slightly more common among not kings. You don't really need a toponymic. A toponymic is like an of, like Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. John of Vienna. Sidonius of Apollinaris. Or Leonardo of Caprio. Leonardo of Caprio. (laughs) Exactly. Like these are important things. Mm -hmm. So that you know where somebody comes from. So you're like, you know, John, which John? John from Vienna. Okay, I know John. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Janina. Which Janina? Janina from New Zealand. Oh yeah, Janina of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this is what my surname is because so it's just from the south. From the south, yeah. Southern southern man, man from the south. Mm-hmm. Like like the most boring one. Like if your surname is West, like some at some point in the distant past mm-hmm. your family came from the west and someone was like you know matthew who's matthew matthew from the west oh yeah western matthew matthew west uh, <laughs> and that's that's where that came from simpler times yeah very simple times or like and there's like hundreds of them and surprising numbers of them like some of them are just super boring like rivers like where's he from from the river Mm-hmm. You know him, always hanging out by the river. And then there are obviously loads that were to do with your profession. Baker. Yeah, tons. You're called Baker. Baker. There was a baker in your past. Yep. yep. Smith at some Smith, point. Someone yeah. was a Smith of some kind. Yeah. Loads of that. Yeah. And lots of... I have a, a friend, a very old friend, who has one of those names, the profession names, but it's also a Dutch profession name, so her surname is Slagter, mm-hmm. which means like butcher in old dutch and sounds preposterous in english (laughs) (laughs) and it was very challenging for her when we were younger (laughs) i bet it was yeah well my mom my mom has a dutch name which is if you pronounce it quick correctly or as correctly as i know how to do which is not much because i'm not great with dutch (laughs) 
uh, is Dana Comp. But um, <laughs> in New Zealand, like the way she pronounced it, the way her mother pronounced it, um, is Denny Camp. Denny Camp. Uh, but she got a lot of the time called Dunny Can. Yeah, which I can um, a Dunny and is an uh, antipodium term for toilet. It is. So uh, no fun there. I'll tell you what, when people were travelling around the world, they just didn't foresee what was going to happen to their names. No, they didn't. And it's it's amazing that we still find it funny, even though we've been travelling now for hundreds of years, and yet we still get all caught up on your name and your language, which is perfectly normal. Sounds like yeah. a word in my language that is rude. <laughs> that is <laughs> funny. Yeah. yeah. Like the classic one everyone always goes to is John LaFucker. Yeah. I mean, um, New Zealand is full of, um, uh, like, like fucker, fuckerongomai. It's not a place. It's a, just a word, um, because it's, it's just a Maori word. But everyone's like, oh, yeah. fucker. Oh, you said fucker. Yeah, it's yeah. suggested You're that very John immature. the fucker meant John the restless. Like the fucker comes from fidgeting. Oh, that is a suggestion. There's like various suggestions as to what it might be, mm-hmm. but I quite like that one. That John the Restless became good. basically John the Lad. <laughs> um, like John yeah. the fucks. You know the John, the one that fucks. Yeah, but that's basically where a lot of of what we now know as surnames, as names which identify us as a member of a family, mm. came from. Which was people saying either what your job was. Or who your dad was, or sometimes mm-hmm. who your mom was, and if they didn't know those things, then where you came from. So, like, if you had a, in order to be a Matthewson, the Matthew who your you know great whatever was the son of, must have been important enough for people to know who they were talking about. If yeah. they said Matthew, son of Matthew, it's not just any Matthew. It's not just any old Matthew. It must be a Matthew that people know of. Mm. And Oliver, lovely producer Oliver, also has a patronymic, which is a derivation of an Irish. Keely is a derivation of O'Keel, which mm-hmm. isn't like of the keel. So somewhere along the lines, there was someone that was important enough to have been heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, and quite often toponymics, in certainly amongst the nobility in Europe, were to show that you were from a particular landed family. So, you know, you would be Leonardo of Vici, which is, you know, an, a, a, of a family there that is significant and important. And then, but then they get blurred, basically. And this is a thing that I like because it takes us to your linguistics thing, which is that people are well fucking lazy when they want to say things. Mm-hmm. So Richard, son of Richard, becomes Richard Richardson because no one can be bothered to be saying son of every time. No, I, time. I understand that. I wouldn't do it. Which then, you know, can be Richard Dixon, spelled various different ways, or Richard Rickson, or... I found like five different ways you could do it, like Dick Richardson, Richard Dixon, Dick Richard, Dick Dixon, Richard Dixon. Yeah. Richard Richardson. Go there for hours. You could. And believe me, I was there for a while. <laughs> uh, and like all of like almost all names can be blurred down into something, basically. And I liked the patronymic the patronymic, the matronymic ones, which were quite interesting. Because there are some matronymic surnames which are still around, like um Mallinson mm-hmm. comes from son of Matilda because no one can be fucked to say son of Matilda apparently <laughs> and Beaton comes from son of Beatrice Aww. Custer from son of Con- Constance 
they get blurred much more, I have to say. Yeah. Because no one can be asked. And yeah. I and like Henry was another one as well. Henry Henderson becomes Harry. <laughs> Harry becomes Harris. Harrison. Yeah. Harrison, Henderson. Harry, yeah. yeah. And we have a pal called Harry Harrison. So I like that one the best. Harry Harris. Um, Harry Harris, sorry. Not yet Har- not yet Harrison. No, ha- when he has a son, then... It'll be ha- yeah. Harris Harrison. Harris Harrison. Harrison Harris. <laughs> <laughs> they just see how many Harrys we can get in there. <laughs> but, yeah. And I, I like the, the blurriness of it and the way it's very clear that people start with, for, like, not a formal patronymic, but, like, something that's practically a sentence. Yeah. And, and then it gradually gets blurred into and the sentence what is, is now like a name. Basically, you know, you you know Harry, <laughs> Harry's son, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know Harry, Harry's son, uh, <laughs> you know Gilbert, Gilbert the Butcher, yeah, yeah, yeah like basically. Nice. And the reason that surnames become formalised is that things become papery. Essentially, <laughs> people start writing stuff down a lot more. Mm-hmm. than they were previously and like the first surnames that seem to be common in families start emerging in like the 11th century in Europe like where people have stopped really being called by some kind of singular like bithemic name or some kind of singular Germanic name unless they are in the royal family mm-hmm. and have started to be called like a, a first name and then some kind of epithet or surname yeah. which is attached to them and then then they start being passed on and by the time we get to the 16th century just to skip over a few <laughs> they're really common yeah and people are in across western europe commonly have a, a surname it's normalized mm-hmm. now yeah for people to have a family name that they have and there's like a million different types of surnames which is confusing (laughs) Um, and makes it challenging. But basically the main reason that they start to become much more significant is because we start making contracts again and people need to sign their name and sign it repeatedly. Yeah. If they're going to sell some land or they're going to write a will to leave the land to their children, they need to be able to identify specifically who they're leaving it to. Mm -hmm. If they are signing, we start getting birth and death records emerge in the 16th century which is actually an interesting thing because that comes from the uh, the Council of Trent in 1563, which made it canon law that all Catholic priests could only baptise Catholic children with the names of Catholic saints. I've just realised I've written in the notes with the names of Catholic priests, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) Not Catholic priests. Although presumably all Catholic priests after that would have to have a Catholic saint name, so it works out in the end. Mm Mm-hmm. But they also, in order to keep track and make sure that everybody was doing that, said that people had to keep baptismal records. And, you know, you had to write down what the name of the child was that you were baptising and who their parents were. Uh Uh-huh. And that's when you start, like, they were kept inconsistently previously, but this is the first time in the Catholic Church that they become proper. And that's still on today. Yeah. Like, that's why very frequently, like, if people... If Catholic families want to have their child baptised as a Catholic but don't want to give them a Catholic saint's name, like if they want to call them, I don't know, Emma, Mm -hmm. then the child will take a a baptismal name. So 
they'll take a Mary or something as mm-hmm. a it's not a, f- a legal name so it wouldn't be on your birth certificate but it right. was, it's in the baptismal record it would be there so if the if I was baptized a Catholic then and I was given the name Mary then my birth certificate would still say Emma Southern but my baptismal thing would say Emma Mary Southern right sure or Mary Emma Southern and then it would have my parents' names and it would have their baptismal names. So it is, that's the first time you start getting like formalized name record keeping really by the church. Mm-hmm. And then gradually that becomes censuses. Interestingly, that was instituted because the Protestants um, had started giving their children Old Testament names Ooh, because they were the Catholic Church wasn't down with that. They weren't there, not down with that. No, no, so, in the Catholic Church, thank you very much. No, uh-uh, no Rebecca's, no Rachel's, no, only Benedict's and Patrick's, thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was basically to combat, or to re- more specifically to mark out Catholic mm-hmm. children as Catholics. Sure. And like, because so they've all got a limited number of names. Yeah. Because who doesn't love a bit of social se- segregation? Hey. <laughs> You know what they were like in the 16th century. Fucking love killing each other over. <laughs> over yeah, so the they, wanted, they wanted to know who who they could fairly kill for being wrong. Basically, about yeah. God. So, sure. And being called Benedict or Patrick or whatever was a quite a convenient way of marking that out. And if somebody did happen to be called a Rachel or a Noah or a Methuselah, very few Methuselahs, yeah, that kind of thing, then then you immediately knew that they weren't for you. It's nice to know that this country's history of anti-Semitism you know just really reaches back I mean it does yes yeah. anti-Catholicism as well if that makes you feel any better I mean it kind of does at this point if they're going to <laughs> rag on people for being named Abraham I think that we should be able to judge them for being called Patrick <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is no but baptismal names is interesting and quite a lot of those have become like surnames as well in certain places like Ireland mm-hmm. yeah so that's a fun one but yeah, talking about the thing that I put in there and the main reason why I started wanging on about baptismal names is because I wanted to talk about the Puritans mm-hmm. who were Protestants that were considered weird even by other Protestants. Yeah, got kicked, kicked off to America for being too religious. The ones that everyone was like, can you, oh, you make us feel uncomfortable. And one of the reasons why they made everybody feel uncomfortable was because they thought that normal names like Charles or James or Benjamin mm-hmm. were too worldly and so they gave their children names which were specifically designed to make them feel bad about themselves. Now I am going to need you to explain one of these immediately. Please you've do. listed here. Uh, you've listed one of the names that like, you have claimed they gave people yep. is Kill Sin Pimple. Kilsin Pimple is a real name, yes. I'm going to need an explanation. <laughs> well, I mean, his surname was Pimple. Uh, unclear where Pimple came from. I'm going to guess for it was derived from French somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they, his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Pimple, gave him the name Kilsin so that he would remember to, to- always kill sin. Sure. I, I it mean, just so happens that in modern English, Kilsin Pimple sounds amazing. <laughs> Praise God Barebone is another good one. That is a good um, one. The um, Barebone family are very prominent Puritans uh, and they were that particular family and it's just extra funny that they're the Barebones. I'm going to have to go back to Pimple for one second because I just <laughs> looked up the word Pimple on etymology.com. Yeah. Excellent. And it is, yeah, late, in, late 14th century as a surname of unknown origin. Yeah. 
They are guessing, though, that it is related, potentially, to the Old English word piplagenda, which means having shingles. <laughs> so this is Kilsen, person who has shingles. Kilsen disease brain. Okay, great. K- Kilsen achy limbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So poor old Kilsen had a number of things going wrong. <laughs> I hope he didn't get shingles as well. That I would hope suck. so. But yeah, but the bare bones were very into... And when you look at lists of Puritan names, a lot of them are bare bones because as a family, they were extremely keen on the particularly weird. So praise God, bare bone is one. If Christ had not died for thee, thou hast been damned, bare bone. That is, is I mean, is, is you really, you want to be yelling after your children to get them to come for dinner and you have to yell out all that? <laughs> You've just a cute, like... I mean, that's just one of them. Like, Jacob break out of the ashes is another one. <laughs> if Christ is not thy died for thee, thou hast been damned. Jacob break out of the ashes, stuff it immediately. <laughs> yeah, and they're all... And no Merit vinyl is, an, is one that, that makes me feel like no merit. Yeah. Now, these are the Puritan sects, obviously, who went and settled in Massachusetts, I believe. Yeah, um, so, so eventually... This is, yeah. The, this is the beginning of... You know, you know these the descendants of these people killed people for being witches. So you look at that and you're like, that yeah. was mad. Turns out not the maddest thing they did. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I mean, um, definitely the most destructively mad. But, I mean, calling your children no merit to vinyl. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if it makes you better, they hated everyone. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, that seems pretty obvious. Yeah, but they all got sent off to America because after the Restoration, basically... Charlie II, a.k.a. my second favourite king, or joint first favourite king, took some time out from combing his magnificent hair and was like, I cannot deal with you people anymore and started cracking down on the more fringe elements mm. of uh, of religion and stopping people basically from naming their children terrible things and doing bizarre things like trying to burn each other as witches. So they all went to America to murder some witches yeah. Colonize, horrify, live, live in that half wilderness of a pre-colonized country, and feel good about themselves because they were more virtuous than a king who still liked a bit of gold here and there, and primarily starved to death. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, strongly recommend the film The Witch if you've not seen it. It is very good. That one. It is. Yeah. And is a is I think both a nice representation of how fucking shit being a Puritan was, and also. Probably how dreadful being any kind of settler was. Yeah. Yeah. A plus. Yeah. <laughs> also, like some devilly bits, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Also gets a bit spooky. Yeah. But the, I, I mean, they are the extremes of it, but that is very much within the tradition that the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church were working with of giving your children names that marked you very specifically out as a as a member of a religion. Mm. Yeah. And then quite often having a surname, which marked you out as being a member of the religion as well, which is, I think, a way in in which people use names, much in the way that I said at the beginning, like people use the names that they give their children in order to state an identity thing about them. Yeah. And I guess it's just like the the thing about that that was new is that it was happening deliberately within... The family that the child belonged to was being imposed like by someone who knew you whereas some of the older hilarious names we've talked about that yeah. was the public imposing yeah. something on a person and i would like to take this juncture to mention one of my favorite uh 
Vsevolod the Big Nest, <laughs> who was Grand Plis, uh, Prince of Vladimir, so uh, like early 13th century Russia. Apparently, pr- like his reign was a golden age, uh, but mm. he was called the Big Nest because he just had a fuck ton of kids. So wow. many kids. So he was called a the big, big real nest. big nest. Real Should big have nest. introduced him to has descendants. <laughs> uh, yeah, they would have got on real well. I think that has descendants might also be a barebone. So has descendants barebone. The problem with the name has descendants though is that I'm pretty sure that was also given to by people who probably did not approve of sex. No, but it's sex is okay within the strictures of marriage and as long as no one enjoys it on specific days if you remember correctly if you enjoy it you're probably going to hell but as long as you don't enjoy it very much uh, and you do it only for having babies it's it's your sacred duty to have a it is your sacred duty exactly to have many babies Mm -hmm. Uh, although the idea of like i don't know in the much the same way as i can't imagine going through nine months of pregnancy and hours of labour and then getting a baby and being like, I shall call him Malcolm. <laughs> like this offspring that I created from my own blood and bones that, that <laughs> is a miracle that I have carried within me and fed and nurtured and then spent 72 hours pushing out of my vagina. Tiny Malcolm. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that as a Puritan in 16th, 17th century England and then going, I shall make sure that he knows that he's supposed to have babies. Yeah. I shall call him has descendants. Yeah, to tell him to have descendants. <laughs> but then what am I to say about the inside of other people's heads? I'm sure that whoever, the people that name their children Malcolm are fine. Yeah. I don't The thing them. is about Malcolm, I really like just Mel. Which is probably because I've just watched Firefly too many times. But Malcolm itself is a bit much. Well, one, there are other names that you could call your child that they could abbreviate to Mal. Like Malachi. Malachi is a good name. Malachi is quite good. I have a pal called Malachi. He looks perpetually afraid of the entire world, but he's great. (laughs) Don't know why he's always so afraid, but Malachi is a good name. And Or you could just call your child Mal. Like, you don't have to call them Malcolm. That is true. You don't have to, you could, if you want to call your child Becky rather than Rebecca, you can call your child Becky. I'm not um, having one, like, so it's probably, it's, it's moot at this true. point. Like Jack is a, an abbreviation of a name. Harry is an abbreviation of a name. And in the top five names in the UK last year, Harry was number three and Jack was number four. And mm. neither of those were... Originally like, proper names. Oh, yeah, exactly. Harry obviously is an abbreviation of Henry and Jack is John. Yeah. Yeah, so you can do whatever the fuck you like <laughs> on your imaginary child that you don't want and aren't going <laughs> to Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, mainly what I've learned from this, we've kind of almost got to the modern period now because not a huge amount changes after the like 17th century. People have first names and middle names and then it just sort of becomes trends about what you are calling your child yeah. and fashions and the surnames have remained reasonably static since then, uh, depending on, you know, where people are in the world. The only, like, a, a change that is happening now over the past, like, 50 years is people having hyphenated and double surnames Mm -hmm. so in the way that the reason i said that we weren't going to do spain and portugal is because they do a thing with like compound surnames where you get your mother's surname and your father's surname and you can use one or either or both um, and people get like five names but people having either double barreled names hyphenated surnames or having 
your mother's surname as a middle name or even having dual surnames like there's a writer called harriet ruta hapgood and ruta hapgood is not hyphenated but it is yeah both her surname yeah so and and like that that's becoming more common as women are becoming less willing to give up their name like they have got an attachment to their name as them as an individual yeah they have achievements under their name as a professional yeah like both you and i have you know published have careers under our what would be called our maiden names back in the day but just our surnames <laughs> and they are part of certainly my name is i consider it to be part of my identity it's not something that i would want to yeah. to blur into being a different person if i got married or if i had children i would yeah. want it to be um, I would still want to be always Emma Southern because I've been Emma Southern for 35 years. Yeah. See, I've never really liked my name, so I've always thought that I would change it. But then I started being published and didn't, so it's too late now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you are now. Yeah. Um, so I didn't particularly like Southern because it's a shit name, obviously. No one can spell it, no one can pronounce it, and, and it just is rubbish. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not even name. Southern. It's, it's not. It's spelt wrong. It's pronounced wrong. It's a silly name. <laughs> and Emma is just Emma. Like, it's fine. No, Emma's very good. I mean, it's not, it's an easy name. Like, mm. everybody can spell it. Everyone can pronounce it. It fits on forms. It's, it's my name. Yeah, my uh, name never fits on, on forms. No. I'm, I'm always having to, like, do a little, like, bend around the corner to get the last few letters of Matthewson in the mm. space. Sometimes I remember that like link clickbait like blog post that somebody did about naming children after your favorite authors and you were in it and they were like Janina Matthewson wrote this amazing book of oh, uh, things gone astray and there was like Janina amazing you could call your child Janine and you I remember <laughs> That's that <not> my name <laughs> and she like she had your name she obviously just didn't actually like it. <laughs> Yeah, fuck or possibly you. it was Nina. I can't remember, but it wasn't Janine. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there was someone else in that um, list. Can't remember who. Another a woman author, and um, she had said, "This is a name you could call your son." Yeah. <laughs> it was very interesting and entertaining. It was an list. interesting list. Was, I will never find it again. But no, it was an interesting. List. It was a fun time. It was a fun moment. Um, but yeah. <laughs> But that is new, like that, um, because women now have an identity outside of the family and outside mm-hmm. of the home that is, b- like, broader than their father and their husband. They are much less likely, you know, are becoming less likely to to just surrender it, basically, yeah. um, and want to give it to their children and to pass it on and to have that go down and pass on in the same way that father's names pass on. So that's an interesting thing that I think will... Yeah, is a it shift is. It's um, those... in the, and will be a historical shift that people will notice in future yeah. centuries. I do think it's happening slower than I would have expected, though, just in my own little circle, because I think everyone I know is so stridently feminist and proud of themselves <laughs> and proud of their names, and yet I know a lot of people who, who have got married and taken their husband's names in a way that has surprised me. Like, it's still a completely valid choice if that's what you want yeah. when you get married. I completely understand it. And, like... I probably won't 
marry my partner but if I did I would absolutely consider taking his name partly because it's not his family name it's one he gave himself so yeah. it's like new and doesn't have anything associated with it so it's it's not it's not like disappearing into his family um yeah but and not that not that that's what you do when you take a husband's name but it just every time someone I know gets married and changes their name I just I'm just like oh I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected that there are certainly like social pressures to do it yeah and it definitely makes things easier in a lot of ways to have the same name down the line especially if you want to have kids it's just I find it interesting I, I think my what I like the most is when people combine their names to make something new and interesting yeah um, and we've had a few friends do that and i do like that like when they both change their name into something yeah something unique that is something they've created as a team i think that is like going way back to episode what two or three yeah like an interesting new conception of marriage that i find really interesting i find that really interesting i like it a lot i think because that kind of gets around the the, a lot of issues basically yeah um, although men changing their name after marriage is 10,000 times harder than women changing their name after marriage yeah um, well you know because bullshit yeah but yeah do you think that answered the question I mean as much as you can answer the question why did a language thing happen which as we've discussed no one knows um I think yeah, yeah, yeah we've done the best we can yeah I think I mean a lot of it is to do with the way that people handle power and a lot of it is to do how they want to be perceived yeah and a lot of it is to do with the way that they are perceived whether they like it or not yeah all of which (laughs) is very dependent on the the fashions of the time and what is perceived as being positive trait at the time and what is the most relevant detail about you to the people you are living amongst yeah yeah so yeah it's tough it was a tough question yeah thanks for that (laughs) and uh, like you can either find things that are written that are very very specific or nothing but hopefully we have covered what we need <laughs> what was important yeah and another thing that i do want to say is that a lot of the names that we have access to before people started writing things down in like the 15th century is elite names and as we know from now rich people give their children burke names um, they call them like apple yeah. Which is a stupid name that no real people have. Yeah. Or Your Majesty, which is my personal favourite name. That is very, time. very good. Or, you know, North. Yeah, but those yeah. are rich people names that people don't really give their children. And so there is, like, the potential... There's, like, uh, some of what we know is skewed. But, like, from the Romans, for example, we're looking at the 1% of the 1%. And yeah. they can't be trusted to be representative. Yeah. I mean, there's the caveat we're going to constantly repeat on this podcast probably for all time is that all history skews upper class yeah for for obvious reasons so sorry about that yeah i've also just noticed a note right at the very end of this as i'm scrolling down to the next question which is uh, in 1991 in protest of swedish naming laws oliver put this in here two parents tried to name their child oh my i don't even know like you can't really do it it's just a list of like 30 random letters it's like they messed the keyboard they just hit the keyboard like the the top lines of the keyboard really um, and then ended it with some numbers and then insisted that it was pronounced Alban <laughs> it doesn't even start with uh, an A it starts with a B it, it doesn't have a single vowel 
in it. I, no, I don't think it does, actually. No, there are no vowels. <laughs> so, uh, and they were refused because some places have laws about what you can name your children. And that kind of person is exactly why. Yes. I mean, there are, uh, like, free, like there's always a news item in New Zealand. And I noticed Oliver has put in a New Zealand example of something that got approved about the names that got turned down that year. And it's yes. usually names where you're like, oh, this is child abuse. Like... I remember once it was a couple who tried to name their kid un- literally unwanted. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is social services maybe needs to step in there and see what's really going on. I think the kind of people who were willing to go, like when back in the day, people were like, we found an island. It's very small and extremely far away. And it like is has like frightening weather and shakes a lot. Do you want to move there? The people that went, yeah their descendants as it turns out quite difficult mm. <laughs> unsurprisingly <laughs> uh, and like saying? to do difficult things i'm saying that you when you came back obviously so i did come back <laughs> god knows why i don't know you want it to be colder <laughs> colder and wetter yeah but yeah so <laughs> yeah names are a whole thing uh, and they're hard and so we've decided to do a, an easier question next time. <laughs> the next question in the list was actually one that we're going to save for a couple of weeks because it's Halloweeny. So our next question is from a comment on our iTunes, which I had worked out how to check. And thank you to everybody who has left us reviews because every so often I some by some miracle managed <laughs> to get in to look at the reviews without having iTunes and I don't know how I do it and I have to work it all out again. But Aussie <laughs> who I believe the first time I said thank you to his review um, suggested that he was from Australia and he's not, or she's not. Um, I mean, it's his Aussie. It does, and you can see how I was thrown by it, but then it very clearly says in the review that they're in America. (laughs) Mm. Sure, fair uh, enough. Yeah, but I've never pretended that I wasn't an idiot. (laughs) So they asked, how have natural disasters shaped world history? Which is a fun question as we rattle towards the inevitable water wars <laughs> that will end us all so that's next week's question yeah which will probably be also quite complicated if you have a question you would like to ask us you can tweet us at sexy history pod or you can mm-hmm. email us at sexy history pod at gmail.com yes or you can facebook us at sexy without the e history pod mm-hmm. or you can Speak to me at at Nuclear Teeth. Or me at J9 and If. Or lovely Oliver at at Kiwa. And you can find us on iTunes and all of the, you know, podcasty things where you find your podcasts. Yeah. And Don't use the iTunes one because it's shit. Don't use the iTunes one. Yeah. But do leave us reviews there if you do. Do leave us um, reviews on iTunes because... Because I will eventually find them. We will and find them. It's them. very, very nice. And also it it might help other people find us, which is also very, very nice. And why would you not want that? Yeah. And yeah, until next time, Janina. Bye. Bye.